0: Today we're continuing our sermon series. It's still the church, looking at Christ's seven messages to the the seven churches there in the book of Revelation. My prayer is that this would be a transformational study for us as a church as we go through it, that it would carry a great impact for us as a people as we look at these seven messages of of Christ to these seven churches. If you remember last week, uh, we started off by looking at the, the question How do you see the church? Today, how do you see the church? How do you hold the church? And that was our our question of last week. If you remember, the truth of last week was an incorrect or biblically inconsistent understanding of the church is detrimental to the function and the mission of that church. Now, what that means is this. If you see the church as something other than it is, then what it is will be short of what God has purposed for the church. And and all that simply means is this. It truly does matter how we see the church. You might be tempted to say, well, what does it matter? Who, Who cares? Listen, it truly does matter how we hold the church, how we see the church, and that we see it through the lens of God's word. How we see the church truly does matter. Well, today... I want us to see just how unnormal the church is, just how radically different the church is from all other institutions, really how supernatural the church is. And that's what I want us to see today. When you leave today, I want you to to be astounded with how different the church is, how supernatural the church is. You see, the church is not a club. The church is not a company. The church is not a religious society or not some some type of faction. But the church is created by God and it's empowered by God and it's led by God himself, all of it, to accomplish the mission and the purpose of God. Because of that, the church is an awesome awesome thing the church is a supernatural thing and that's that's what I want us to take away from this message the the church of jesus christ our church this church is a supernatural thing supernatural means beyond what is natural you see there's what is possible in the natural and there is beyond the natural it means beyond what is normal And it means attributed to God. Well, that's the church. The church can do what what, what people can't do. The church can do what, what a company or an organization can't do. Sometimes people say, well, they'll take care of it. Listen, the church is supernatural, empowered by God. It's not normal. It is not natural. Understand today, the church is an awesome, awesome, supernatural thing. Today as we prepare to walk into the seven letters, the seven messages, we're going to see part of God's supernatural design for his church. Now I thought we'd be launching into the church in Ephesus today, we're not going to get there today, but as we prepare to to move into those seven messages, we're going to see God's supernatural design for the church today. Our message today is entitled, The Paranormal Church. The paranormal church. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, and then we're going to read Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Now, we're going to reference a bunch of verses today, but those will be our primary verses. Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, and then Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Revelation chapter one, verse 20, Jesus is speaking here and he says this, as for the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful for our salvation. We praise you for the light of the world, Jesus, who brings us that salvation. We're thankful for the forgiveness of sin. We're thankful for restoration in a, in a relationship with the Holy God through Christ. And so we come today and our our prayer and our songs and our words and our hearts say all glory be to Christ. Lord, I pray now as we begin to study your word, as we continue this study, that you would train your church, that you would lead your church, maybe that you would correct your church, but the church would be instructed to stand as the beacon of the gospel in these last days. So Lord, we give it over to you. We ask that you speak. We ask that you move, we ask that you work. I pray for some that are in this room who do not have a settled faith in Jesus Christ. I pray today they might be saved in the hearing of the gospel of Jesus. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we worship you, and we submit this to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Last week, as we, as we moved through some verses in the first chapter, we saw a marvelous picture of Christ, Remember we saw a marvelous picture as he stands as the resurrected Savior and as he's talking to the Apostle John, John turns around to see who is talking and he sees this, this vision, this picture of Christ and he stands there as the, as the resurrected Savior and he's dressed in royalty and his robe goes down to the floor. He stands there and he has the golden sash, the the mark of the high priest, and he stands now as the perfect high priest, the one that Hebrews says brings the perfect, the better covenant. He stands there and his eyes are of fire, and he stands as the righteous judge. His hair and his face are of white, and he stands as the truth, and he's holy and he's pristine, and he speaks the word of God. The Bible says his his voice was great as, as many Waters and his voice is like the, 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 the downfall, maybe of a waterfall. And it drowns out all the other voices, all the other sounds. And it says to see Him, to see Christ like that was as if you were staring into the sun at noontime. And so we have this amazing picture of Christ. And then we saw some other pictures. Another one was the picture of the church. And the church is described as a golden lampstand, seven golden lampstands. And and Jesus, in this picture of the seven golden lampstands, tells us the mission of the church, tells us the purpose of the church. Today, people want to know, well, why does the church exist? What is the, the purpose of the church? Well, just in that picture, he gives us the mission of the church. It is to uphold the light, to give out the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He shows us the value of that church. It's as gold. And so he shows us the value of a church that would stand and uphold the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In chapter one, listen to verses 12 in the first part of verse 13. It says, and then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands and in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man and jumping down to verse 16, the first half in his right hand, he held seven stars. Now, remember from the pictures of last week, the church has this supernatural mission, this mission that's given from God, to uphold the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be a beacon, a bearer of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be sure today, as we begin this morning, that is our work in the church That is our purpose in the church. It is to lead people, and I'll tell you many people. In fact, I will tell you all people to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is why we exist as a church. That is why we exist as Calvary Baptist Church, to shine the light and to lead all people to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the church. Last week, we saw... In the picture, that just like a lampstand in their culture was specifically designed and was specifically placed as to shed the most light. And so the design of the lampstand was to give off a bunch of light. It was placed, the placement of the lampstand was to give off the most light. The church also is specifically designed and specifically placed as to give off as much light as possible. It's the same analogy. The the, the design of the church, the placement of the church is to shed the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus gives us that truth in that picture. Now today, before we go deeper into the seven actual messages, and I intended to start today, but before we go deeper to the seven actual messages, I want us to look a little further. At Jesus' revelation to John, right here. I want us to look a little bit closer at this image and, in doing so, see the abnormal, supernatural institution of the church. Now, that's what I think we're going to see in these couple of verses here. I want us to see the abnormal, supernatural institution of the church before we move into these messages. Today, we're going to see Christ's involvement. In his church. Now that's a pretty awesome thing to think about. Christ's involvement, Christ's participation in the church. We're gonna see that in our verses. Now we're gonna see it in two ways. We're gonna see Christ's involvement in his church through his pastor, and we're gonna see Christ's involvement in the church through his presence. These two ways, and it's gonna come from our verse today. We're gonna see Christ's interaction, his participation, his involvement in his church through his pastor and through his presence. John sees Jesus, John sees the Christ, the Messiah, says, one is the son of man. And it says, in his right hand are seven stars and he stands in the midst of the seven golden stars. Lampstands. And so we're going to start off today and we're going to see first Christ's involvement in his church through his pastor. Let's start off and read verse 16 again. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. And then dropping down to verse 20. As for the mystery, of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. Jesus is gonna explain it. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Verse 16, it says, in his right hand are seven stars. And then Jesus himself explains the scene. In verse 20, he says, the seven stars are the angels of of the seven churches. Now, here's a big question. Who are the angels? Who are the angels? He says the stars are the angels of the seven churches. Who are the angels of the seven churches? Now, this is gonna be very important for us to discern, very important for us to understand. Now, there's two options here. I think two main options. The first option is this. On one hand, they could be the actual or they could be actual literal angels. And there are some that believe God has assigned or he has given at least one angel to every local New Testament church. And they believe God has, has assigned an angel to your church or perhaps many angels to your church. And it's talking about those literal angels. Now, I'll tell you, that is possible it is possible. I hope that he's assigned a, a, a ton of angels to our church. It is possible that he could assign angels to a local church, but I do not believe that is who he is addressing here. The second option is that Jesus is referring to the seven pastors of the seven local churches. And so these seven stars, he says, are the seven angels. And he's referring to, and I believe this is what he's talking about, the the pastor of those churches. In my right hand, I hold seven stars, and the seven star are the seven angels, and I believe he's talking about the seven pastors of those seven churches. Let me give you a couple quick reasons. There's, There's several we could go through. Let me just give you a couple. The first is this. Now, I want you to think about this. Christ is giving the message to John to give to the church, The message goes through the pastor. Well, if it were an angel, if the star were an angel, Jesus would give the message to John to give to the angel to give to the church. Nowhere in the New Testament does, does God speak that way, giving man an instruction to give to an angel. Why wouldn't he just go to the angel, give the message to the angel and say, go herald that, To the people. And so it doesn't make sense that he would tell a man to tell an angel to come back and tell men. And so I I think that's not what it's talking about here. The second reason, and I believe this is probably a clearer reason, is this. He tells them to repent. Listen to chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, literal angel or pastor, the one who Right, the the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this. And then jumping down to verse five, the first half says this. Therefore, remember where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. Now, I believe if this were an actual angel, his servant, he wouldn't have to tell the angel to repent for the actions of the people in the church. And so I don't think he's telling the angel to to repent. I think he's telling the pastor and he's telling the people and he's telling the church to repent of those actions and to do the things that you did at first. So see what is going on here. In God's supernatural institution of the church, I want you to see this. See what's going on. Christ is the head of the church. Christ, Jesus, is the head of the church. That is why it is supernatural. That is why it is not normal. That is why it's not like some other institution. Jesus Christ, listen, is the head of the church. Jesus is the leader of the church. In Colossians chapter one, verse 18, it says, he is the head of the body, the church. Christ is the head of the church, Christ dictates the the movement of the church. Christ rules his church. Be very sure, Jesus leads our church. Jesus leads the church. He is the head of the church. And he has chosen to exercise his rule, his authority through the pastor of the church. Now stay with me right here. In God's plan, the pastor is the spiritual leader of the church. That's the scriptural truth. In God's plan, the pastor is the spiritual leader of the church. The pastor is a tool in God's hand for Christ's leadership in the church. Do you see that? The pastor is a tool in the hand of Jesus Christ as the leadership of the church. now I want you to see what does that look like today? What does that look like in, in an institution that is led by God, that is truly supernatural? What does that look like for the pastor to be the spiritual leader of the church, held in the hand of God? Let me show you some ways. I was afraid these things were going to fill up with sweat, and they are <laughs> like preaching in goggles. Let me show you some ways. First is this. The pastor is the God-placed preacher in the church. The, the pastor is the God-called preacher in the church. The, the literal word here for angel means proclaimer. If you go back to the oldest Greek translation you can find for angel it means a herald one that proclaimed and so they would send an angel and the angels would proclaim today born for you in the city of David they were a proclaimer they were a herald Paul tells Timothy in his instruction to pastors preach the word preach the word in season and out of season preach the word that's his instruction for pastors. Paul, Paul, in his instruction in 1 in, in Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, says the elder, the pastor, is worthy of double honor. Listen, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. That's what the Bible says. Those who work hard in preaching and teaching. In this example here, here is the message. It is the word of God spoken from Jesus Christ, and it's given to the pastor. Tell the pastor of the church to give to the church. Listen to me, be very sure of this. I think this is getting mixed up, but be very sure of this. The main, primary, most important duty of the pastor of a church, this church or any other church, is the God-led, God-empowered preaching of the Word of God. That is his job. That is God's plan. And God leads his church. God blesses his church through the anointed preaching of the word of God. That is his plan. That's one way. First, the pastor is the preacher in the church. He's the messenger in the church. Second thing is this. The pastor is the protector of the church. The protector of the church. His job is to guard the church. The word pastor actually comes from a pastoral setting, a shepherd, one out with the sheep. That's where we get the word pastor, a shepherd. The shepherd's job was to to protect the sheep. And so listen, the role of the pastor is to protect the church. Now, think about that. What is he guarding? His his job is guarding the church. What is the pastor guarding? Is it the building building? Is it the safety of the people? No. He is guarding the truth. He is a protector of the church. He is guarding the church. He is guarding, listen, the doctrine of the church. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, the world wants to tear that apart. The world wants to dilute it. The world has different ideas. The pastor's job is to guard the doctrine, the truth of God's word that is held in the church. In Titus chapter two, verse one, it says, but as for you, talking to a pastor, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Later in Titus, it says, hold the purity of sound doctrine. Listen to what Paul tells these pastors 35 years before Jesus is speaking in our verses today. He's actually talking to this church that we're gonna look at in, in Ephesus. Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 31. Paul tells the pastors this, listen. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Listen to this, and from among your own selves, out of the midst of the church, out of the midst of erring pastors, and from your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears pastor's job is to guard the church, to protect the church, and he does it by guarding the truth of God's word, the doctrine, the the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. He guards the church as he holds the truth. This is done by setting and instituting and instructing the teaching and preaching ministries of the church. That's how you guard the church. You have to guard what's taught in the church. You have to guard what's heard in the church. You have to guard what goes out of the church. That's how you guard the the sheep of the church. That's what the faithful pastor does. He institutes and he guards and he instructs the teaching and preaching ministry of the church. Folks, let me tell you today there is an absolute avalanche of trash being proclaimed. In churches. I don't know if you look around today, maybe with the social media, it's easier for us to see. It is absolutely crazy at at the the volume of the garbage, sheer garbage that is being heralded as God's word in churches today. There is mysticism that's crept in and claimed to be Christianity today. There is humanism that's crept in and it's all about you and it's blended with Christianity today. There's modern psychology that's crept in and it's taught as the answer outside of God's word. Listen, all of those things are being taught today as the word of God. It is the pastor's job to produce. Protect the doctrine of his church. Third thing, he's the preacher. Second, he's the protector. Third thing is this. He is the overseer of the church. It's really tied to all of the roles, but he is the overseer of the church. Here's the truth. The pastor leads the church he's the spiritual leader of the church the pastor leads the church and he does it in the authority that Christ has given him now I want you to see this Jesus is the head of the church Jesus is the is the head of the Christian church and he places the pastor to lead under the headship of Jesus Christ himself now let me just tell you something that's not popular today That's that's not the model that's being pushed out today. That's not what's happening in many churches today. Remember, this is supernatural. This This is not normal. This is not up for a debate. This is not what we gather from human intellect. This is not IBM. Let me clear this up for you. It's a hard thing to understand. The pastor is the servant of the church. The pastor serves The church, In the example of the great shepherd, in the example of Jesus himself, the pastor is the servant of the church. And then listen to me. And the way he serves the church is by leading the church. That's how he serves the church. It's by listening to the voice of God. It's by discerning the will of God. It's by spending time in the word of God and then leading the church. Today's model comes along and says, well, That's not what the pastor does. We'll decide what we're going to do. We'll decide the course of the church and the pastor will serve it. After all, he's the servant of the church. No, listen to me. Jesus leads the church and he he leads through his pastor and that is how the course, the direction of the church is set. Jesus leads the church and his instrument is his pastor. 1 Timothy 5, 17 again says, says, The elders, it's an interchangeable word with pastors. The elders who rule well, it's the Bible's word, are to be considered worthy of double honor. Hebrews 13, 17, instruction for the church says this, obey your leaders and submit to them. In today's verses, this is why I didn't pass over it. In the right hand of Christ are the seven stars. The seven stars are the seven angels, the seven pastors of the church. The right hand of Christ is the ruling hand. And so in his hand of rule, he holds his seven pastors. And his seven pastors are the instruments of his rule. The pastor is the overseer of the church. That brings us to the last thing, and that is this. This angel, this star, the pastor is a steward of the church. I want you to hear this one. The pastor is a steward of the church. You see, you hear all of this, and you say, Well, isn't that self serving? Aren't you just promoting yourself? Aren't you just protecting yourself? Yeah, this would be a a good thing to say if you were the pastor of the church. Isn't this just self-serving? Listen to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, the entire verse now. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this without grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. It says, as one who will give an account. Listen, on the authority of God's word, the pastor will give an account to God for his leadership in the church. I will give an account to God Almighty for my leadership, for the actions, for the teaching, for the doctrine of this church. I will, the pastor will answer to God himself. Now, I want you to see how not normal this is. You see, we're not led by a board of directors. We're not led by by some council of regents. We are led by Jesus himself. Listen, that's a tremendous thing. We are led by Jesus himself. Jesus Christ leads his church. That, that's the truth of it. That's, that's, how, that's how he sets up the institution. Jesus leads the church. Jesus is the head of the church and his tool of leadership are the pastors that are in his hand. Let me tell you something personal. I didn't seek this role. I didn't didn't seek it. And life would be a lot easier doing something else. I can promise you that. Life would be a lot easier doing something else. But I know God himself has called me to it. Without a shadow of a doubt, I know God himself has called me to it. And I know according to God's own word that I will give an answer for it. I will answer before a holy God for what I did and how I led in his church. I will give an answer for it. But I want to tell you this, I take comfort that as long as I am his pastor, he holds me in his right hand. My gracious Lord Jesus holds me in his hand. God makes the church supernatural in that Jesus Christ our Lord the risen savior leads his church and the tools that he does it through are the pastors in his hand. Second thing before we move to the messages to the churches God makes the church supernatural in that Jesus leads it. Now we ought to listen we ought to celebrate that Jesus leads the church. Jesus himself leads the church. That's the one way that he makes the church supernatural. He leads it through his pastors. But I want you to see this. God also makes the church supernatural in that God blesses it with his presence, with the presence of Jesus. And so listen, the church is Jesus led. The church, the head of the church is Jesus himself. You go out and you, and you tell the world, you know what? Jesus leads the church, but he also makes the church a supernatural thing, an, un, an abnormal thing, and that he blesses the church with his presence. Listen to verses 12 and 13 again. And then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man. In the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man. Chapter two, verse one says this. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the God who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, in chapter 1, he's found in the middle of the lampstands. Jesus is found in the middle of his churches. In chapter 2, it says that Jesus is walking in the midst of his lampstands. He is walking in the midst of his churches. See this, Jesus Christ is in the midst of his churches. He stands in the midst of his churches. He walks, listen, Jesus walks in the midst of his churches Jesus is intimately positioned at the center of his church. He knows his churches. He encourages his churches. He instructs his churches. He empowers and he strengthens his churches. He examines and and he evaluates his churches. Jesus Christ is at the center of his church. Friends, that's why it's not normal. That's why it's not ordinary. That's why it's not conventional. That's why it's not like a company or not like some association. The church is built by God himself. It's led by Jesus himself and Jesus Christ is in the midst of his church. See the picture. Pretty awesome. Here you have these churches. and These were seven actual literal churches. And we're going to go through them. Some of them are struggling. Some of them are having hard times. Some of them have been persecuted. Some of them have upheld the truth. Some of them are trying to find the truth and and renew that. We're going to move through the churches. but, But here are these seven churches of redeemed sinners. Here are the seven churches, and I believe it's talking to all churches. And there in the middle of the church is one like the Son of Man. There in the middle of the church is the Messiah himself. There in the middle of the church is the king of kings and he's dressed in royalty. There in the middle of the church is the perfect incomparable high priest who brings the better covenant. There in the middle of the church is the pure, pristine, and holy Lamb of God. There in the middle of the church is the one who stands as the truth. And when he speaks, he speaks the truth. And when he judges, he judges in perfect truth. And there in the middle of the church, it's as if you're staring into the sun, is Jesus Christ himself. Oh, that's the glory of the church. That's the marvelousness of the church. Jesus, the Messiah, the risen Savior, stands and he walks walks in the middle of his churches he commissions the church he leads the church and then if you have any doubt he walks and he stands in the midst of his church why does it matter Because of this, listen. Look at the world. Look at Vernon, Texas. Look at the destruction, the death, and the decay. I'm going to tell you the last two years, three years, five years, ten years. this This is a little old West Texas town. Imagine New York City. Sex trafficking. Garbage, listen, drugs. Look look at the world today. Listen, why does it matter? It is because the hope of the world is still the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's because the beacon of the gospel of Jesus Christ is still the church. And it matters, and it matters, and it matters. The hope of this world is Jesus. The only hope of this dark world is Jesus. And the the herald of that gospel is the church. And so, when times are tough, and when times are hard, and when the pressure comes in, listen to me Jesus isn't off somewhere else. He's not somewhere sending down orders to people that can't hear him anymore. Jesus Himself is in the midst of His church because it's the gospel that matters. That's all that matters. And His hope is that a church will. Would proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, let's be that church. Let's be that church. Let's pray. Jeremy Father, we come today. And I'm thankful for, for clear instruction from you. And I tell you, Lord, as your pastor, I'm sorry for my failings. I'm sorry for our failings. Sorry where we get careless. Sorry where we become apathetic. Sorry where the world becomes attractive. We're lured into it. But I also know your plan still stands. And I understand your plan is the good news of the gospel be shared and that your desire is that not one, not any should perish, that your plan is the church would uphold the gospel. You said that the gates of hell, Hades, will not prevail against it. Lord, I pray for Calvary Baptist Church very specifically. I pray that you would lead us. I pray that you would order our steps. And I pray anything that's silly, anything that's wasteful, anything that's not, focused on the goal that you've given us will be stripped away. But I pray the mission that you've given this church that we would uphold it, that we would be faithful to it. I pray that the the gospel of of Jesus Christ, the doctrine of our Bible, will be upheld and taught. And then I pray that until you come again, folks couldn't come in contact with Calvary Baptist Church and not hear about Jesus. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. I'm thankful the gospel for me. For my salvation, my hope that stands. So we just come now, we tell you, Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we ask that you would work, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen.